All right, thank you everybody for joining. I really appreciate it. Everybody that's joining live and everybody that's tuning into the podcast. Thank you very much. Blessings Hashem, we're up to Pasha's Toldos. And we know Pasha's Toldos. Toldos means the descendants. Pasha, of course, starts off telling us about the Toldos of Yitzchak, which were Yaakov and Esav. But just from the fact that the Pasha's name is Toldos, descendants, gives us a remez that this is what the parish is all about, talking about raising children. And so, uh, what better time to talk a little bit about the topic of Chinuch, based on the Yisraelis, the foundations, that we find right here in this parsha. And as an introduction, a disclaimer, anytime we speak about the Avish HaKadoshim, so it's understood that anything that we say is based on our limited understanding of their life, based on the... Uh, the hints that the Torah gives us, and the things that we find in Chazal, and the Rishonim, and the Mepharshim. But, of course, this does not mean that this is the real reflection of what they did, but rather, this is our limited understanding on how to look at these events. And that's important to note before we begin. And the Parsha starts off with, of course, the birth, as we said before, of Yitzchak, of Yaakov, and Esau, the twins. And... The first question that comes to mind, Yitzchak Avinu, one of the three Avais how is it possible that he had a son like Esav, who had gone off the derech so badly that he completely lost himself forever for him and his descendants, and they became Esav, they became Edoim, Goyim, who are the eternal enemies of Kal Yisrael. How did this happen that such... A, such a thing can come from such a person, from Yitzchak Avinu and from Rivka. So, very, very interesting. We find it says in the uh, in the parsha talking about these twins, Yaakov and Esav. They grew up. Yes, Esav was the person who knows hunting. He's a man of the field. V'yakov ishtam, Yoshev v'yholim. Yaakov is a wholesome person who sits in the tents, the tents of Torah. Points out Rashi, what does the Torah mean? Arim? Says Rashi, as long as Yaakov and Esav were little, you couldn't tell the difference between them. It was only once they grew up that each one went in his own separate way. Says Reb Shamshan of Fal Hirsch, the Torah here is giving us a clue as to what went wrong with Esau. The fact that Yaakov and Esau grew up together in the same environment and in the same type of chinuch. The Pazak Mishle tells us, Every single child has his own derech of chinuch that he's meant to be receptive to, that he's meant to accept, That is that is the path that's going to allow him to grow, to become who he's supposed to be. And as the Apostle continues, If you want it to be that the things that you teach your child as a youngster are the values that he's going to keep when he's much older, when he's no longer in your house, he's no longer under your jurisdiction, it has to be giving him the type of that he needs according to his talents, to his abilities, and to his needs. 
says Rabsham Shanov Farhish, but the Torah is telling us over here that unfortunately Yaakov and Esav received the exact same type of chinuch. Esav needed a totally different approach than Yaakov Avinu did. And the Pesach hints to this. When Yaakov and Esav came out into this world, the Torah says, Esav came out, he was Admaini, he was, he was red. What is the definition of Admaini? So we find this idea, the Navi describes David HaMelech, when Shmuel HaNavi came to anoint the new king after Shoal, was deposed, so he was sent to the home of Yishai. But Yishai had a number of sons, and David was one of them. But Shmuel looked at him, and he sees the pasuk says he was an Admaini Naim. He had he was red, and Admaini say Chazal de Darshin. That means that he has within within him a tendency for redness, a tendency to shed blood. So Shmuel and Avi automatically felt that this is not the one who's meant to be the Mashiach Hashem, the future king of Klai Yisrael, somebody who's meant to shed blood. But the Rebbe says, no, 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 he's the one, he's the one that I'm going to anoint. And while it's true that he does have within him the tendencies and the desires for bloodshed, but it's not going to be the same Admaini as Esav or Russia. Esav used Admaini, he used his natural tendencies, his DNA, his genes, his genetic makeup, he used it to do Shvichos Dalim in the wrong way. But David HaMelech, he's going to use his Admainius, his tendencies for Shvichos Dalim to do it only al pi Chazal, al pi the Psak of the Sanhedrin, to get rid and to kill those who are meant to be killed, but not to use it in the wrong way. And this here we see, the first foundation of Chinuch is that every single child is different each and every one needs his own mahalach of how to be raised. And no two children are the same. And therefore, Esau, who wasn't given that opportunity, he was born with these tendencies, as we see in the Pasuk, of Admaini. He was born with bad tendencies. But he was given Bechira. The problem was that he wasn't given the proper tools as a child to choose the right things, to use it in the right way, but rather he was raised together with Yaakov. And Yaakov had a different mahalach that he needed to be raised with. He was naturally a person who was going to sit and learn, naturally a wholesome person. Esav didn't have those tendencies. And unfortunately, because of that, that was the, the first step in the pathway for destruction for Esav, for him, and for all the future generations. And that what we see, that's what we see here in the Pasuk. And it's very, very important for us as parents to remember that when we're doing chinuch, when we're raising our kids, it's not about what we want. It's not about how we want to look. And it's not about making our kids necessarily who we want them to look like. But it's about what the child needs. And that every single child is different. There's a well-known sefer by Ravolba, the famous mashkiach. It's called Zriya Ubinyan Bechinuch. Planting and building in education. And he points out like this, that a child in many ways, chinuch in many ways, is like planting a tree. Now, what happens is, first you got to find the right soil, and then you got to plant the tree, and you have to continue watering it. What happens is, eventually, the tree is going to grow on its own, after you put in all the right efforts into giving it the proper environment that it needs to blossom. But at the same time, no two trees are the same. So if you have a fruit tree, an apple tree, and next to that you have 
a banana tree, they don't need the same type of raising. Each tree is different. And each tree is going to give birth, is going to, is going to give about different types of fruit. That's the Metzius of who they are. So too it is with our children. No two children are the same. And therefore, no two children need the same approach of being raised. And that's what the Pasuk is telling us, Give the child what he needs that he can grow to be the best that he's supposed to be. Not the best of what you want, not the best of what's going to look good to the neighbors, but the best of what he needs for his personal growth. And this is something which is not an easy thing to determine, but as we get to know our children and we see them, and the children, they express different retzaynes, they express different um, different pathways in their growth. So in a certain way, we have to give them the freedom to become who they're supposed to be. The Goyen, the Vilna Goyen points out on this pasuk, a very interesting thing, and he says like this, on the Chanech L'Nao Pidarkoi, that a person's tendencies, a person's personality, which the personality that he's born with, it's not something that we can necessarily change, and it's not something that we're meant to change. So if a child is born, let's say, for example, he's born shy, he's born quiet, then we have to allow him to be who he is. And the other way around, a child is born with a lot of energy, we have to allow him to be who he's meant to be. This is the tendencies that they were given at birth, and these are the tendencies that they're given, the, the tools that they're given, to become who HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants them to become. It's not our job to try to uproot those tendencies, because that's not going to work. It's just going to be counterproductive, and that's what the Pesach is telling us over here. Give him the tools that he needs, that he can develop his tendencies, the talents, the kishrinus, the abilities that HaKadosh Baruch Hu blessed him with, let him use those to become the best that he can be. And I want to tell us two stories. There's a well-known um, educator and uh, mashpia here in Flatbush. His name is Avi Fishoff, who created a whole new uh, system. We're all f- familiar with the unfortunate phenomenon of kids at risk, kids off the derech. And Avi Fishoff, he, uh, I don't know, maybe 15 years ago or so, he decided that he's going to devote his life to helping these kids and these families who are going through a very, very difficult time. And he set up a whole system which he calls twisted parenting, which really is twisted because it goes against the the natural feelings of a parent. When you see a a child who's misbehaving, who's not following in the derech that you raised him in, so the natural tendency is to get angry and to fight or to throw him out of the house. But he says, no, no, the way to approach these children is twisted parenting. you got to do exactly the opposite. you got to give them unconditional love so that they'll feel that they're welcome no matter what they do. And what happens is, experience shows that with a lot of time and patience and unlimited love, the vast majority of these children are going to come back. And he has very, very excellent statistics to prove his derech has come as from all the Rabbanim, from all the different Kehilas, Hasidish, Litvish, Sfardi, and so forth, everybody who gives acknowledgement and praises his derech hachinuch. But he says over two stories of two children that he worked with who were off the derech completely, 100% fry, keeping absolutely nothing. And slowly, the parents, as they learned the approach of Avi Fishov, and through tremendous siyata dishmaya, they eventually came back. And they got married, they are two different boys. One comes from a chassidish home, one comes from a, a litvish, a very yeshivish home. 
So he says over the story like this, the first family, the Litvish family, the Yeshivish family, so the son comes back, Baruch Hashem, he gets a job, he becomes mainstreamed, and he gets engaged, and he's about to get married. Now, the family, as we said, are very Yeshivish. So the father of the family, he had a very important shayla, which he brought to the God of Chaim Kanievsky. He says like this, you know, we're all Yeshivish, and me, my children, except for the Chosen, we all wear hats. And the wedding is going to be no exception. My son, who came back, Baruch Hashem, and we're very proud of him, he doesn't wear a hat, and I'm 100% fine with that. The question is, as he says to Reb Chaim, should we, me, the father, my brothers, my, my, my other children, the, the brothers of the Chosen, should we also not wear a hat at the wedding? And he explains like this, the wedding is his biggest day. Now, he's going to one day look at the videos, the pictures of the wedding, and he's going to say, hey, look, you know, they're like on a higher level than me. They're wearing hats. I'm on a lower level. Why should he start off his new life feeling that he's below anybody? So, says Reb Chaim, so he says to Reb Chaim, maybe none of us should wear our hats at the wedding. Says Reb Chaim, that's an excellent point. And he says, here's what you should do. At the chuppah, you wear a hat and then take it off for the remainder of the wedding, the meal, the dancing, Nobody in the family should wear a hat. Gavaldik. So what do we see here? Approach of a parent who understands that this child needs a different type of approach. Yes, the family's yeshivish, and they're very from, and they probably have beards, and they probably have brisker payas, but he has a different approach. And Baruch Hashem, we're so fortunate that he came back. Now we have to give him the space that he needs and respect it. And therefore, they're not going to wear a hat besides for the chuppah at the wedding. The story ends in a beautiful way. It says, Avi Fish, if they're on the way to the wedding and it's in Bar Park, they're passing by Bancroft Hats by the, back in, when it was in, uh, still on 13th Avenue. And the chosen says, hey, wait a second. I want to buy a hat so I can wear it at the chuppah. <laughs> they go into the hat store, they buy a hat, and the man says, no, when's your wedding? He says, my wedding is right now. Okay, it was quite a funny episode. The chosen and the entire family wore the hat at their wedding. You never lose from giving the child the freedom that he needs to be himself. And that's one story, and that's a beautiful ending. The other story, though, not so. The chassan, in this case, also was off the derech, and he came back. But he didn't come back chassidish. He came back from, but he says, no, I'm not the type who's going to put on a strimal or any of that stuff. The father of this boy says to him, you're not allowed to come into our house, into our neighborhood to visit us, unless you're wearing a strimal. Now says Avi Fishev like this, what exactly is your goal here? Is your goal to impress the neighbors that you shouldn't be embarrassed from them? In that case, you're right. But if your goal is to help this child who had gone through terrible trauma, who had gone through terrible difficulties, and he came all the way back from Amish being Sha'ol Tachtis to come back to Yiddishkeit, and you're going to tell him you can't come to the house because you're not wearing a strimal because Chatzkel and Shmerl across the street are going to look at me and frown? Is that the right approach? What are you doing? You're going to ruin him. It's going to give him such a bad feeling at this point in his life where he came back and he got married that who knows? It might cause him to fall back again. So this is what we see here in the Parsha. The first year, give each child the space that he needs to grow to become himself, and if it's a little bit different than the way we want it to be, a little bit different than the way we're used to, it's okay if that's what he needs, as we see here by Yaakov and Esau. The second thing, the Pasuk says, 
At the end of the parsha, when Rivka tells Yitzchak that Yaakov Avinu has to go out to Choron to, to marry, he shouldn't marry from Benayis Canaan. So Yitzchak Avinu calls Yaakov and he says to him like this: Vayikra Yitzchak el Yaakov vayivarechayisai. Yitzchak Avinu wants to speak to Yaakov. The first thing he does is he gives him a bracha. And Rashi points out that he gave him a bracha that the brachas that Avram Avinu got, they should pass on to him. So what's he doing? Is he giving him a bracha or is he telling him who he should marry? Says the Chavetz Chaim, we see here that any time a parent wants to give guidance and instructions to their children, it has to be done in a way that's positive, in a way that gives them Gishmak, that makes them feel good. And it's only after you do that that you can tell them what to do and how to do it. He benches him. He brings him up and makes him feel good. And then then he gives him instructions on how to live his life. But if you're just going to push around your kids and boss them around and tell them what to do without giving them the feeling that they're important, without raising their self-esteem, without giving them the feeling that they're loved, it's not going to work. It's going to be counterproductive, as we see here in the parsha. And this is something which is very crucial, especially for the generation that we live in, that we have to give our kids endless and limitless love, that they should always feel good and they should know that no matter what happens, no matter what situation there are, no matter what happens at school, no matter what happens with friends, the parents are going to love them unconditionally. There's a beautiful book that came out about the great Mechanech, Rabbi David Trank, who was someone who worked his entire life with kids who weren't exactly mainstream, boys who couldn't find themselves in regular yeshivas. And he had an approach which was very simple, and it's actually the name of the book that was written about him. Just love them. Love, love, and love. Shower your kids with endless love, and eventually, with time, it's going to reflect. And through that love, once they know that their parents have endless love to them, you'll be able to be mashpi on them and to guide them in a much better way because they know this is the type of person I can listen to. My father, who I know has my best interests in mind, he's telling me to do something. Of course I'm going to do it for him. As the Pesach tells us, Kamayim upon him, upon him, adam la'adam. And this is crucial. The Mechanchem, the Rabbanim, they all tell us in today's generation, with all the distractions, with all the... Uh, outside influences, more important than ever, to remind our kids about that, that we love them with endless love. And uh, very, uh, very, um, very, very uh, tragic story I read in the book of Rabdov Brizak, who's a well-known mechanic. There was a, ch- a child who was having difficulties at school, at home, and after investigating, so the... Uh, the uh, the Mechanchem, the Manalim, they realized that this father's uh, this boy's father doesn't really spend time with him. He's he's a big Talmud Chacham. He sits and learns. Doesn't have time for his kids, and the kid feels he's not loved. What worse of a feeling can a child have? So, once they saw that the child was having difficulties at school, emotional problems, social problems, they spoke to the father. And they said, "Listen, you gotta spend time with your son." so he can feel the connection. And this way, he'll be happy, and he'll be able to learn better. So the father says, no problem. Let's go on a trip. 
They go on a trip to the zoo, the biblical zoo in Yerushalayim. Very nice. Spend a few hours there. But there was only one problem, says Rabbi Brizak, that this man, this quote-unquote tzaddik, he took with him a sefer. So yes, he left the koilu, <laughs> he left the shtender. But the entire time on the way there, and while they were there, he wasn't talking to his son. He was learning from the sefer. Gavaldik, you accomplished amazing things. What he accomplished was that he lost his son. So what is the point here we see from here that love is not just saying I love you, which of course is very important. Not just giving, not about giving hugs, giving kisses, which of course is necessary. But love is also giving up of ourselves. And the most precious commodity that we all have is time. Our time, we have to be willing to give up of it for the sake of our children. Dr. Pelkowitz says over a story, also with a very, very important lesson, there was a Rav who was sitting by the Seder table with his family, and in that family, the minute was that the kids steal the afikoyman. The oldest daughter, a 17-year-old high school girl, steals the afikoyman. And the Rav, who had a bunch of younger kids, including little kids, was very, very upset. Why in the world would she, the oldest child, be the one to steal the afikoyman? Well, what do you need? You need a bike? You need a, you need a, a new toy? Why is, it, why is it that you're the one to steal it when you have all these younger siblings? And he was livid. Comes time to ask for the Afikaiman. And the father says, okay, you took it. What do you want? And she says, Tati, I want to go out to you one night with you to eat for four hours in a restaurant and you leave your phone at home. Amazing that this teenage girl who's really on the verge of going out into the world, of getting married, going to seminary, whatever, she lacked the feeling that her father loved her because her father was always busy with Tzorchit Sibur, always busy on his phone, talking to people and helping Klai Yisrael. But you cannot forget, as much as you're willing to help others, Chesed starts at home. And the first ones who need our Chesed, who need our time, is our children. Rabbi Kron says over a story, he had gone to visit with his son, Rabbi the one we mentioned before, the Mashkiach. And... The son says to Rabbi, to Rabbi Volbi, he says to him, what is the main thing that a parent has to give to his child? In our times, says Ravolda, the main thing a parent has to give is time. How much time? As much as the child needs. And that's something that we all have to remember. Very, very, very difficult in our day and age with all the distractions and everybody's so busy. There's work, there's, uh, there's shul, there's shiurim, there's so much going on, but we cannot forget the main thing. Our main avoida is to be there for our families, to be there for our kids, and to give our kids time. And even if it means coming on the cheshbon of our growth, if it means giving up a shear from time to time, even if it means maybe giving up davening in our favorite shul, whatever it is, our kids need our time, they need our love, they need our devotion, and that is what is going to put them on the right path of gam ki yazkin mimeno. It's very, very interesting. The Godel Ador of Shach had one son. He also had two daughters. But his son, Azriel, did not turn out to be like his father. He became much more modern, and he was a, a PhD, a college professor. Needless to say, a very, very far cry from the expectations that the Godel Ador of Shach had of him, and a very far cry from the environment that he grew up in. And it's well known that Rav Shach was asked, what happened? How is it that your son, you, the great Mechanech, and the great leader, your own son didn't turn out the way you wanted him to be? And he said, I think the reason is because when he was growing up, 
me as the classical Litvak, I didn't sing Shabbos Mirs at the Shabbos table. I would sit down to eat, I was busy with my Sfarim, I would eat quickly, I would bench, and run off to shul. And I neglected this aspect of sitting down and making the Shabbos table a fun environment that should be attractive to him. And because he didn't get that feeling at home, so he had to search it out at other places, universities, he did remain a Shemar Shabbos his entire life, but did not turn out to be what Rav Shach had hoped of him. And this is teaching us the same Yisoyed. We cannot just think about our own personal growth. we got to have our children's growth in mind as well. And they need as much time as we can give it to them. Another thing we find in the parts, as we mentioned before, Yitzchak, Yaakov, and Esav, they go on completely different paths. But Yitzchak, for some reason, doesn't understand it, and he doesn't realize that Esav is not who he thought him to be. And the question is, how come Rivka, who was more astute, and she did see what's going on, didn't tell him, you know, Yitzchak, you have to realize that our son Esav is not this great tzaddik who's asking you how to give off meiser from the hay, meiser from the salt. No, 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 no. He's out there in the streets doing the worst of Eris. Why didn't she say to him? And here too, we got to remember what we said before. We don't have a good understanding. We don't have an understanding exactly what happened. But based on a limited understanding, says the Nitziv, that Yitzchak, as we know, we spoke about this last week, his midah was din. He was a pure tzaddik, a halig tzaddik, on a totally different plane. And the marriage of Yitzchak and Rivka was such that Rivka looked at him with awe, with fear, and she was scared to speak up and to point out to him that maybe he's looking at their sons in the wrong way. She had this fear. And that says in itziv is not a healthy marriage. There cannot be an aspect of one of the spouses scared to speak to the other one about any issue that's there, whether it's about the kids, the finances, or whatever it is. Shalom bias means that it's an open conversation. It's a pleasant environment, that the husband and wife respect each other, they love each other, and not that one is scared of the other, that they can't speak up. The stipler used to say that good kids is a result of two things. It's 50% davening and 50% shalom bias. When the kids see that the father, the husband, and the wife respect each other, their home is a happy environment, it's not tense, there's no screaming, there's no fighting going on, then that is something that gives the house a beautiful feeling, a feeling of happiness, which makes the kids feel comfortable that they're not going to go out and seek happiness in different ways against their wishes of the parents. Adarabah, they're going to be happy to stay home. They're going to be happy to bring their friends home. They're going to be happy to eventually start their own home on the same pathway because it's an environment of respect, an environment of love, an environment of shalom bias. And that is a very crucial component for all of us to realize. Dr. Wickler, the famous psychotherapist, says that he's never ever seen a kid off the derech who came from a home that there's a happy and wholesome marriage. And that is very, very crucial. Of course, goes without saying, every, every couple has disagreements, and it's healthy and it's natural. But how is it done? Is it done in a way of respect, in a way of understanding the other, or is it done in a way of screaming, in a way of empowering, in a way of putting the other person down that makes all the difference in the world? And that's the one thing that we have to remember. When we look at trying to raise our kids, we have to show them a living example of what a beautiful Jewish home is all about. One more thing, and that is tefillah. To always remember, to dive into the Eibishter, that Kodesh Baruch Hu should give us the siyata dishmaya, that we should raise our kids in a proper way. There's a beautiful tefillah from the Chazanish, in which he uh, talks about how parents 
are supposed to raise the kids. And that's something that, that we can all say from time to time. Just going to pull it up here one second. feel that he composed for a mother to daven for her son that he should be uh, on the right path and following the pathways of the Tyra. There it go. Yerotzeh milfanecha sheterachem al You say the name of the person and the name of the mother. Plainim and plainness. Open up his heart that he should love you, he should fear you. Take away all those things that are keeping him from being shaken on the Torah. Give him all the opportunities that he needs that he should be attracted to learning Torah. A beautiful Tfilah. That every parent can say by Shemayat Tefillah. That's something we have to remember. We got to partner with the Rebbeinu Shalaylam. It's not just us. It's not just our efforts. The Rebbeinu Shalaylam is our partner in everything that we do. And through our davening, Amritz Hashem, He is going to give us the guidance, the chizuk that we need, that our kids should grow up to be in a beautiful way. And I just want to conclude really with one final aspect. We spoke about several things. We spoke about Chanech Lanao Pidarkai. We spoke about Shalom Bais, we spoke about love, we spoke about davening. There's one more thing, you know, in recent years, there's been a very, very unfortunate phenomenon that I've seen firsthand. We know we're familiar, of course, with kids going off the derech. That's been around for uh, as long as Kali has been around. And kids at risk, uh, something that our communities uh, started realizing the last uh, 25 years or so. But what's been happening in, in recent years, something which I, I don't think has is, is been, been really around up until our times, is that you find sometimes adults, adults, sometimes uh, a parent, a husband, or a wife, and sometimes both, father, mother, and children, the entire family, all go off the derech one middle of the day, and they leave... Yiddishkeit, become a Chalei Shabbos Eichlon Nevelis I've personally seen this several times. Now, how can we explain such a thing? Here we have people who were, not only were they raised from, not only did they marry from, but they raised their kids from, and then one day, seemingly out of nowhere, seemingly out of nowhere, these kids, the, this, this fam, the family goes off the derech. How do we understand it? So, there's a lot to talk about it, and there's no question that um, the digital age that, that we live in and, and social media, where we kind of exposed ourselves to the outside world to the effect that, you know, we're in, in a sense, we're living the same, many ways, the same lifestyle. So it, it definitely, it's a cause, but that's just a symptom. What is the cause of all of this? So the way I understand, and I saw this in a book, there's a book called Off the Derech, written by somebody who did a lot of research on this topic. And she writes like this. 
if the family doesn't live Yiddishkeit in a happy way, and the entire Yiddishkeit is one of which it's just do's and don'ts, you know, don't do this, don't do that, it's all about restrictions, then at a certain point, people, and even adults, they're going to wake up one day and they say, what do I need this for? What am I getting out of this? Nothing. Just don't do this, don't do that. Because the Yiddishkeit doesn't have any chiyas to it. It's just a set of rules. And unfortunately, that's, that's, the, uh, that's the, um, the cause. And the symptom is that one day the family decides, who needs this? Goodbye. And that's tragic. But the eighth are for us, and we have to realize every single one of us is in a certain sense an adult at risk. Because I'll tell us, nobody's guaranteed, as we'll see, Hanukkah is coming, the famous king of Chashmonoi, served as the Koyen Godel for 80 years. And then, one day, he left everything behind, went off the derech. We cannot believe in ourselves, and nobody can say that this has nothing to do with me. This is something that we all have to be careful about. Everybody, based on his, his, his uh, whoever he is, it doesn't matter. We have to make Yiddishkeit alive. We have to make it happy. We have to make it a connection, a connecting opportunity to the Rebbeinu Shalaylam. And we do this. There's so many opportunities. Whether it's by strengthening our davening, we put a little bit more effort into so that we can bring the Rebbeinu Shalaylam into our life, at least by the time by the times that we're davening, that we feel that we're talking to the Rebbeinu Shalaylam. That's something that gives us chizik throughout the entire day. <laughs> Whether it's the Yemen Tayyivim that come about throughout the year, that we try to connect with them. It's not, just about a matter, it's not just a matter of eating, it's not a matter of drinking and sleeping, but there's an essence to Yemtiv, lessons that we can gain, feelings that we can benefit from. And most importantly, of course, to connect to the Torah Kedayisha. Every single one of us, doesn't matter what stage you are in life, has to have a shaykhist to learning Torah, whether it's daily, or whether it's every other day, or even if it's just once a week. But our connection to the Torah is what's going to assure us that we're going to remain connected and Khalila, we're never going to fall. And if the Ezra Hashem were able to do that, the Ebishter is going to give us the Kayach that we can withstand all the Nisyanis of our time and that those things that we see happening to others will Khalila never ever happen to us. And I just want to conclude the two beautiful stories. First of which I heard from Rabbi Yaakov Bender, Rashiv in Darchi Torah. He was a bachar in Mir Yeshiva. And at the time on King's Highway, when near, near Mir Yeshiva, they would have in the evenings, people would come and they would gamble. They would play poker and bingo in the um, apartments there on King's Highway. One of the bachar in Yeshiva, unfortunately, got involved in these nightly events. And he would go there, he would gamble. And it reached the point where he was borrowing money from the younger light, borrowing money from the bachar, and he couldn't pay back. He kept on losing more and more money. And he... Couldn't stop. So, Rabbi Bender and uh, some other friends, they went over to the Roshiva, Shmuel Birnbaum, and they says, Roshiva, you got to get rid of this bocher. you got to throw him out. Look what he's doing here. He goes to gamble at night in these, in these uh, un, uh, unhealthy places. He's losing money. He's borrowing money. This is not a guy that belongs here in Mary Shiva. Says Rabbi Bender, Rabbi Birnbaum takes a look at him, and he pokes him in the chest, and he says, did you fast for him yet for 40 days? Before you came and told me to throw him out of the yeshiva? Did you fast for him? If you did not do that, you have absolutely no right to come and throw a bachar out of yeshiva. And what does this show us? The love of the great Rosh Yeshiva. What he understood what chinuch is all about. It's all about giving the heart. It's all about davening. It's very easy to throw a boy out of yeshiva. It's very easy to scream at a child. But 
If we want them to change, if we want them to follow the proper path, it's got to be done in the way of Ruchnius, in the way that the Kaddish Baruch Hu wants it from us. And find the one beautiful story we mentioned of David Trank. He was at the Tari Masar Convention. And there was a question and answer session with the Gedele Rosh Yeshivas, the big Rosh Yeshivas in America. At the time, the head of Tari Masar was Rabbi Yeshvei, the Rosh in Philadelphia. Rabbi, uh, so the question is presented to the Rabbanim. At what point do we throw a Bachar out of Yeshiva? And the Rabbanim started saying, you know, this does this, or he does that, you try this, you try that. Suddenly, from the back of the room, from the audience, there's a scream. He's the Rebbeinah Shalalim's child. He's the Rebbeinah Shalalim's child. It was Rabbi David Trank. How in the world could he throw a bochah out of Yeshiva as the Rebbeinah Shalalim's child? Rabbi Elia Shvei, he looks at him and he says, Rabbi Isai, Rabbi David Trank has spoken, and that is the end of this conversation. You don't throw a boy out of Yeshiva. You remember that he's the Rebbeinah Shalalim's child. That's something we should all take to heart. Every single one of our children is the child of the Rebbeinah Shalalim. And if we do our part, to give them the proper guidance and the proper chinuch, Be'ezus Hashem, HaKadosh Baruch should help, that all of us should see nachas from our children and all our future generations, Be'ezus Hashem, until B'yaz Mashiach Siddiqeinu, B'mherav Yomein Omein. Thank you very much.